Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny. Today is Wednesday, August 30th, and I hope that you are having a wonderful day. We're halfway through the week. We're halfway to the weekend. I hope you're having a good week so far. If this is your first time listening, I, of course, want to say welcome. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, topics, or categories. We do, however, have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, with each day getting progressively harder. So, as I said before, today is the middle of the week, which means it is the middle of difficulty. It's not too hard. It's not too easy. It's just right. Maybe for you it is. Maybe not for everybody. If you find this episode to be a bit challenging, I, of course, encourage you to listen to it anyway. In fact, I encourage you to listen to all of the episodes of the week, even Thursday, even Friday. You never know. You might surprise yourself. You might know the answer to a very challenging question. And even if you don't, you might learn something along the way. If, however, you find this episode to be a bit too simple for your taste, well, tune in tomorrow on Thursday. We'll make it a little bit more harder. Now, without further delay, let's get into today's round of questions with question number one. What is the longest river entirely within the boundaries of New York State? And that river is the Hudson River. The Hudson River is a 315-mile, or about a 500-kilometer, river that flows from north to south, primarily through eastern New York, United States. It originates in the Adirondack Mountains of upstate New York at Henderson Lake in the town of Newcomb and flows southward through the Hudson Valley to the New York Harbor between New York City and New Jersey, eventually draining into the Atlantic Ocean at Upper New York Bay, The river serves as a physical boundary between the states of New York and the state of New Jersey at its southern end. Farther north, it marks local boundaries between several New York counties. In the lower half of the river is a tidal estuary, deeper than the body of water into which it flows, occupying the Hudson Fjord, an inlet that formed during the most recent period of North American glaciation, estimated at about 26,000 to maybe 13,000 years ago. Even as far north, this is quite interesting, even as far north as the city of Troy, which is roughly 150 miles away from the ocean, the flow of the river actually changes directions with the tide. Imagine that, 150 miles, that's how far up the tide can impact the flow of that river. Moving on to question number two. In which country's McDonald menu can you find the Mekalu Tiki Burger a vegetarian option made with spiced potato patty. And that country is, in fact, India. The Mikalu Tiki Burger was introduced in 1998 and features a combination of a potato and peas patty with special Indian spices coated with breadcrumbs served with sweet tomato mayo, fresh onions, and tomatoes in a regular bun. McDonald's menus can vary widely based on location and often cater to local tastes. Other interesting menu options include India's baked spicy paneer, which is basically a grilled wrap with a breaded and fried sliced paneer. Uh, A paneer is like an Indian cheese that holds its shape and, and is used in a lot of traditional dishes. It is then surrounded by veggies and spicy sauce. In Italy, Italy's McDonald's have a what's called a panzerotti, 
which is 100% Italian mozzarella and tomatoes baked into a little pocket of dough. There's the Bai Shrimp Filet-O from Japan, which features a deep-fried breaded patty filled full of shrimp, accompanied by lettuce and a spicy sauce. And finally, a fun one from the, from the country of Costa Rica, the McPinto Deluxe, featuring the rice and beans offering, served beside scrambled eggs, warm tortillas, sausage, plantains, and a side of custard. But once again, what we're looking for is the country of India, which has the Mikalu Tiki Burger. Question number three. Which Australian singer released the song Can't Get You Out of My Head, which became a major hit in 2001? And that famous Australian was Kylie Minogue. Can't Get You Out of My Head is a song that was recorded by Australian singer Kylie Minogue for her eighth studio album, Fever, in 2001. Can't Get You Out of My Head is a dance pop, techno pop, and new disco song that is known for its la 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 hook and its lyrics about obsession with a love interest. The song reached number one on charts in 40 different countries worldwide. It peaked at number one on the UK single charts for four weeks and was certified two times platinum by the British phonographic industry. It also topped the Australian single charts and received a three times platinum certification from the Australian Recording Industry Association. In the United States, the song peaked at number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and became Minogue's first US top 10 single in 13 years. As of 2018, the track has sold over 5 million copies worldwide. Now, I personally, I don't think I'd ever actually heard this song, but there's a band of mine that I really like, and they did a cover of it. So even though it wasn't by her, I still really enjoy that song. And you know what? Because we do a lot of song questions here, and perhaps you can't think of the song, maybe you're driving in the car, maybe you don't have time to look it up right now, I think what I'm going to do moving forward is anytime we have a song question, I'm just going to sing a little jingle of it, just in case you might know the song. Now, I'm not a singer, but I'm going to try, okay? La, 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 la. Okay, do you recognize it so far? Maybe not. I just can't get you out of my head. Oh, you're all that I care to think about. Anyway, maybe we'll try that here. Maybe I'll stop it after a little while. But I had that one stuck in my head. I literally couldn't get that song stuck out of my head. So I thought I might sing it for you. Moving on to question number four. What is the term for the process of separating cotton fibers from their seeds, a crucial step in cotton processing? And that process is called ginning. Cotton is a soft, fluffy staple fiber that grows in a bowl or protective case around the seeds of the cotton plants of the genus Gossypium. The fiber is almost pure cellulose and can, can contain minor percentages of wax, fat, pectins, and water. And under natural conditions, the cotton bowls will increase the dispersal of the seeds. In the process of turning the cotton fibers into yarn, however, uh, the first step is ginning, where the cotton fibers are separated from those seeds and any remaining plant debris. 
This process is typically done using a cotton gin machine, and current estimates for world production are about 25 million tons, or about 110 million bales annually, accounting for about 2.5% of the world's arable land, with India actually being the world's largest producer. So again, the process of separating those cotton fibers from the seeds is called ginning. Question number five. Which famous mountain range is located in the state of Colorado and is renowned for its picturesque peaks, including Long's Peak, Pike's Peak, and Mount Elbert? And that range is called the Front Range. The Front Range is a mountain range of the southern Rocky Mountains of North America, located in the central portion of the U.S. state of Colorado, and the southeastern portion of the U.S. state of Wyoming. It is the first mountain range encountered as one goes westbound along the 40th parallel north across the Great Lanes of North America. The Front Range runs north-south between Casper, Wyoming and Pueblo, Colorado, and rises nearly 10,000 feet above the Great Plains. Long's Peak, Mount Evans, and Pike's Peak are its most prominent peaks, visible from Interstate 25 Corridor. The area is a popular destination for mountain biking, hiking, climbing, and camping during the warmer months, and for skiing and snowboarding during the winter. But before any of that, billions of years ago, the present-day Front Range was home to an ancient mountain range, deserts, beaches, and in fact, even oceans. So once again, that famous mountain range located in Colorado is called the Front Range. Question number six. Who is the architect responsible for designing the iconic Falling Water House, known for its integration with its natural surroundings an innovative cantilevered design. And that architect is Frank Lloyd Wright. Falling Water is a house designed by the architect Frank Lloyd Wright in 1935 in the Laurel Highlands of southwest Pennsylvania about 70 miles, or 110 kilometers, southeast of Pittsburgh in the United States. It is built partly over a waterfall on Bear Run in the Mill Run section of Stewart Township, Fayetteville County, Pennsylvania. The house was designed to serve as a weekend retreat for Lillian and Edgar J. Kaufman, the owners of, Pittsburgh, of, of Pittsburgh's Kaufman's Department Store. After its completion, Time Magazine called Falling Water Rights most beautiful job, and it is listed among Smithsonian's life list of 28 places to see before you die. The house was designated as a National Historic Landmark on May 11, 1976, and in 1991, members of the American Institute of Architects named Falling Water the best all-time work of American architecture. Now, I personally have not seen this house in person, but I have seen many pictures, and I am quite interested in seeing it in person. It looks like quite a miraculous piece of work, but that was all done, designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. Question number seven. In a standard triathlon, what are the three consecutive segments of the race in order? 
Okay, do you think you have them in order? That's the key here. Those three in order consist of swimming, cycling, and running. A triathlon is an endurance multi-sport race consisting of swimming, cycling, and running over various distances. Triathletes compete for fastest overall completion time, racing each segment sequentially with the time transitioning between the disciplines included. The word is of Greek origin from trace or three and athlos, which means competition. The sport originated in the late 1970s in Southern California as sports clubs and individuals developed the sport. This history has meant that variations of the sport, of course, were created and do still exist. It also led to other three-stage races using the same triathlon name, despite not being continuous or not consisting of swim, bike, and run elements. However, the standard triathlon do contain those three elements, once again, in the order of swimming, biking, and running. Moving on to question number eight. Which original Netflix series features a group of kids in the fictional town of Hawkins dealing with supernatural events and government conspiracies in the 1980s? And that Netflix series is called Stranger Things. Stranger Things is an American science fiction horror drama television series, first premiering on Netflix in 2016. Set in the 1980s, the series centers around the residents of a fictional small town of Hawkins, Indiana, as they are plagued by a hostile alternate dimension known as the Upside Down after a nearby human experimentation facility opens a gateway between it and the normal world. One of Netflix's flagship series, Stranger Things has attracted record viewership on the streaming platform. It has been critically acclaimed for its characterization, atmosphere, acting, soundtrack, directing, writing, and homages to 1980s films. Now, I personally have never seen it, but it was recommended to me dozens of times by friends, families, co-workers. Uh, I still have not yet seen it to this day, but I recognize that it was quite the cultural show. Once again, that is Stranger Things on Netflix. Question number nine. What is the term for the specific location of a gene on a chromosome? And that term is locus. In genetics, a locus, or plural for is loci, is a specific fixed position on a chromosome where a particular gene or genetic marker is located. Each chromosome carries many genes, with each gene occupying a different position or locus. In humans, the total number of protein-coding genes in a complete haploid set of 23 chromosomes is estimated at 19,000 to possibly 20,000. So once again, the specific location of a gene on a chromosome is called the locus. Moving on to our final question of the day. Now, before we get to this final question of the day, I've been asking all of you this whole week to please subscribe to the show. I know that many of you listen every day, and maybe some of you have not yet subscribed. I encourage you to do so. We are all at the whims of the algorithms 
that are in all of our devices, including this show. I would love for this show to reach a broader audience, to grow the community here, and with your help, I think we can do that. And so once again, I will shamelessly plug and encourage you all to hit the subscribe button. It really means a lot to us. Okay, now with that out of the way, let's get to today's final question. Question number 10. Which philosopher is often associated with existentialism and is known for works like Being and Nothingness? And that philosopher is Jean-Paul Sartre. Jean-Paul Charles-Aimard Sartre was a French philosopher, playwright, novelist, screenwriter, political activist, biographer, and literary critic, considered a leading figure in 20th century French philosophy and Marxism. Sartre was one of the key figures in the philosophy of existentialism. His work has influenced sociology, critical theory, post-colonial theory, and literary studies, and continues to do so. He was awarded the 1964 Nobel Prize in Literature, despite attempting to refuse it, saying that he always declined official honors, and that, quote, a writer should not allow himself to be turned into an institution. Despite that, he was, in fact, awarded the 1964 Nobel Prize in Literature due to his work in existentialism and philosophy. Once again, that famous philosopher, that famous French philosopher, was Jean-Paul Sartre. So that will conclude this episode of My Daily Trivia. Once again, if you found this round to be simple, well, I encourage you to listen tomorrow. We're going to make it a little bit harder. If, however, you found this episode to be a bit of a challenge, I encourage you to listen tomorrow regardless. In fact, I think you should listen to Friday as well. You never know, you might learn something along the way. I want to thank each of you again for listening to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and I will see all of you tomorrow. <music>